Hey guys, this is Chelsea Eithoven and you're listening to Vibrancy Radio. I spent the better part of two decades in pursuit of shrinking my body, but diet after diet, I still never felt enough. And I don't know about you, but the last word I would use to describe myself while on a diet is vibrant. After becoming a certified health and nutrition coach, I finally dropped the diets, learned to trust my body again, and rediscovered the vibrancy that was within me all along. And now I help women like you do the same. Vibrancy Radio is your new go-to resource for science-backed nutritional knowledge, major mindset shifts, and body image breakthroughs. So if you're ready to stop feeling so dang stressed about food all the time and start focusing on all the things that make you unique and vibrant, then welcome to the show. Hey, my little sunbeams, and welcome back to Vibrancy Radio. It is your host, Chelsea Eithoven, and today it's not just going to be me. We have another guest on the podcast today, and I am so excited to share this one with you. So I think it's kind of funny that both of the guests that I've had thus far are human design experts, which to me is so cool because human design I find fascinating and And honestly, it's been a big part of my self-development journey and understanding myself better over the past year. So I'm really happy to share that with you. So today on the podcast, I have Meredith Rawlings as a guest, and she is a human design expert and an intuitive eating coach. And this conversation was so cool because we get to hear all about how Meredith has combined intuitive eating and human design and how she has found the way that these two things kind of go hand in hand with one another. And it's just really cool. I really enjoyed getting to talk to her and pick her brain on these things. And it's also fun because we have so many similarities in our stories and so many similarities in what we do and how we look at food and our relationship with our body and our relationship with ourselves in general. And (laughs) we realize that just everything we're talking about, everything is energy. It's just so fascinating. Absolutely everything comes down to your energy and understanding it. So this conversation was so much fun to have. I'm so delighted that I got to talk to Meredith and I get to now share her with you and all of her wonderful knowledge. And a little side note, if you have absolutely no idea what human design is, I would definitely recommend going back to my last podcast with a guest, which was Carrie, and we dove into human design in general in that podcast. So I'd definitely say go back and listen to that one first if you don't know what human design is at all. It could be kind of helpful to get sort of a baseline of what human design is and and think about it from a more general level before you listen to this podcast and we dive a little bit deeper into how it affects eating. And then we also use some terminology that you might not be familiar with, like projector, reflector, manifesting generator. If you have no idea what any of these things are, you're probably going to be like, what the heck? But without further ado, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Meredith. She is such a gem and make sure to go give her a follow on Instagram as well because she has lots of good information to share Um, and I will put all of her information in the show notes. So I hope you enjoy. 
Welcome, Meredith, to Vibrancy Radio. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks for being here. How are you today? I'm good. I'm really excited to be here, Chelsea. This is exciting. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So Meredith is an intuitive eating coach and a human design expert. And we're going to talk about both of those things in detail today, which I'm so excited because I love both of those things are two of my favorite topics to talk about. But before we do that, I want to get to know you a little bit on a personal level. So I'm just going to do some fun questions to start. So what is your morning beverage? Are you a coffee tea girl? I want details. All right. So first thing I do is chug a bunch of water and then I drink. Sometimes I'm really good and I drink celery juice. I don't have a juicer, so I have to use a blender and then almond milk straining bag. And it's this whole thing, but I'm really on it. I'll have celery juice and then cinnamon themed unsweetened almond milk. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So why the celery juice? Cause I know that's a big thing and a lot of people love it. I have not gotten on that trend. What, what's the deal with celery juice? It's pretty recent for me. I resisted it for a really long time because it was so trendy and I'm so traumatized from so many years of dieting that I was like, there's no way I'm doing that. But I had a lot of digestive dysfunction back in probably July, August, which is like a lot of stress. And I talked to one of my friends who is a wellness hormone gut health specialist and told her what was going on. And she said it sounded like my liver was just kind of funky. I don't know how she knew that. But so she had me do celery juice for three weeks and then this special smoothie which with a bunch of spirulina and things like that in it. And after three weeks, I was like totally better. And so now I'm trying to do celery juice whenever I feel like I have the time to manage making it every morning because it doesn't stay. It's not like apple juice where you can just like keep it for a week. Like you have to drink it almost immediately or else it's totally gross. And it's already pretty gross. Like I'm not going to lie. It's, <laughs> I it's hard to get it down. Like it <laughs> Basically like it's drinking liquid celery. So it's just not super pleasant. But I do notice that my digestion just feels a little bit better when I'm on it. When I drink it regularly, everything is just a little bit more regular. Right. Right. So, yeah. That's yeah. your drift. <laughs> yeah. You know, I love that too, because a lot of people think with intuitive eating or anti-diet that we can't do anything that's quote unquote healthy or try the trendy things or do some of those things. Like people be like, what you drink diet Coke. I'm like, yeah, man. Like I love, I love diet Coke. It re- takes away all the rules. So try the things that might be a little bit more diety, but we're not necessarily doing them from a diet perspective. And that's the, that's the switch that I flip with my clients too. Are you eating this because you think it's going to make you skinnier or are you eating it because you a want to, or B know that it's good for you? Right. Exactly. Four or five years ago, I would be chugging celery juice because I thought it was going to make me de bloat and be skinny. Mm. And now that's like the furthest thing from my brain. I'm doing it without any pressure just because I know this makes me feel better. And the difference. That is totally the difference. I agree completely. Or you'd be like replacing a meal with celery juice, right? (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So I'm getting like chills even thinking about that. (laughs) I know, right? Let's move on. Sounds awesome. So, what is your favorite food? Oh gosh, my favorite food. I love bread. I love bread. I love chocolate. I love fruit, basically carbs. I love carbs so much, but the things that I can't live without definitely bread, fruit, and chocolate. Like a good piece of bread with butter or a Panera Asiago cheese bagel with butter is what Uh I always say is my favorite food. It's so good. A good one. That's a good one. Oh yeah. 
Okay. So what are some non-negotiable forms of self-care that you do on a regular basis? Non-negotiable is meditation, exercise, and Epsom salt baths. Oh, those are my top three too, I would say. Really? Oh my gosh. No way. For real. I actually may be addicted to baths. Like I will take them two times a day sometimes and I will crave a third one. It's almost like the cravings that I used to have for food kind of transferred over to baths. I swear. Like I'm like so funny. I need a bath. I'm like feeding for it. (laughs) Yeah. I get in, I get in that mood too, where I'm just going to clear my whole afternoon and I'm just going to have a bath. It feels so good. It feels so good. And I do it I try to do it at least once a week because with all that exercise, I get soreness and I get stress that accumulates. And for some reason that Epsom salt just pulls it all out. And I just always feel so much better. It's Mm -hmm. a big one. Such a good one. Okay. What's a book that has changed your life? This one's so hard because there are so many, but the big one, the big one right now is The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Have you read it? I've not read it, but I've heard of it. I feel like I've heard so, several people talk about it. I think it was written in the early 2000s. So it's been around, but it's about the upper limit problem. And ever since I read it a couple of months ago, every single client I have, I'm like, oh, upper limit problem, upper limit problem. So it's a, it's a really, really good read. Okay. So what is, what's the upper limit problem? What does that mean? Concisely, it is the theory that says we as individuals and as a collective have a certain level of good feelings or happiness or positivity that we allow ourselves to feel. And if we get up over that upper limit, we manifest things to sabotage Mm. and get us back to our baseline. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm definitely going to get this book. That sounds so good. It's really good. I mean, it it explains why women do diets and lose 20 pounds and then relapse and gain 25 back. Right. Yeah. Because you haven't done the mental work to allow yourself to enjoy being at the body type that you have wanted for so long or feeling energized or vibrant or whatever it is. You haven't done the work energetically to allow yourself to have that. Mm. And so does the book talk about how to raise your upper limit? Because we can't just be stuck there. Yeah. As with all good books, it gives you a solution to the problem. So (laughs) yeah, definitely worth a read. Awesome. I'm definitely going to check that out. Okay. Since we're talking about human design today, and I've actually done another podcast on human design, what is your human design type? I am an emotional projector in my profile is a four, six. Okay. Okay. I'm a, am I emotional? Yeah. I'm also an emotional projector six, two. So interesting. And if any listeners, yeah, with the two in there and everything. And if any listeners don't know what the heck we're going to talk, we're talking about, we'll talk about it a little bit later. Mm -hmm. So do you have a morning routine? And if so, what is it? I do. I kind of go in and out of it. I'll be honest. I'm not a hundred percent perfect, just like everyone. I like to make that very clear because I think people do the all or nothing thing with the morning routine, just like anything else. So when I'm super on it, I wake up, have my coffee and I list at least three things that I'm grateful for. And then I'll do a meditation with that's either guided or with binaural beats or something like that. And then usually finish that up with some journaling. So that's, Love it. that's my, Love. that's my ideal situation. Love mm-hmm. it. And I also, I completely agree. Morning routines are something that's super easy to get all or nothing with. 
And I used to see other people's morning routines and be like, I'm going to copy that exactly. And I would try it. And, but it wasn't custom for me. So I, I would never follow through with it after three days. So what I started doing is I keep my morning routine really flexible. So I'll pick three things to do something for my body, something for my mind and something for my soul. So it might be going for a walk, meditating and tapping. It might be like, who knows? It changes every single day. And I love that flexibility because then I get to decide what do I feel like doing today? And it makes it so much more exciting for me. So yeah, I totally agree. And I, I'll, I agree with you. I change it based on what I feel like I need in that moment. Sometimes it's an extra 10 minutes of just laying in bed honestly. Mm. And that giving myself that opportunity to just keep relaxing if I need to has made a big difference. And then I'll change up the meditation based on, do I feel like I need some anxiety relief? Like sometimes I just wake up and I feel anxious or do I want to do some like abundance ritual or do I want to do something else? I, Mm -hmm. I love tapping also, by the way, I'm glad you brought that up. So by the way, do you have any good recommendations for where to find meditations or like somewhere you go? Because I just look at mine on YouTube and Mm -hmm. to be honest, I'll literally just type in five minute meditation, 10 minute meditation. But do you have any recommendations for that? So I, I used to do that and it was fine. But as I got more spiritual, I felt like they were lacking in a way, like I wanted to go deeper. And so one of my coaches... I guess. I don't know that. I feel like spiritual mentor is probably a better word for her, but she has a membership that's 30 bucks a month or something. And she has a, she's a singer, a professional singer. So she's got this gorgeous, gorgeous voice and she has access to a studio. So she has these really awesome meditations where, you know, some for spiritual guidance and some for abundance and some for, if you have an interview and you're nervous about it, like they're really good. So I, I just do those. That sounds absolutely incredible. Can anyone get access to that $30 a month thing? Or is it just clients? I think think it's open to anyone. I can ask her and we can link it in the show notes if you want to. Her name is Emily Thorner and the business is called Moon Rising Circle. So I will definitely ask her. I think it's open for everybody. And if it's for everybody, we'll link that in the show notes because that sounds incredible. It's, it's some, you're right. It's like, sometimes the ones on YouTube are a little lacking. That's why I was looking for some recommendations. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've loved those. I've loved those. Okay. So what are you obsessed with? Oh my gosh. What am I obsessed with right now? I'm obsessed with human design. I think about it all the time. Every time I talk to someone, I'm like, I wonder where that comes from. And so that's my obsession right now. But in general, I feel like my obsession is really just how do I continue to be a better version of myself and how do I bring other people in to teach them how to be the highest version of themselves? Like that's what I think about all the time. Same. I think it's, I think it's a coach thing. Like I've noticed with coaches, that's pretty much all of our obsessions. We're like, how can I get better? How can I, and it's not even like being the best version of ourselves. It's like, how can I get back to who I truly am and the inside before I was conditioned away from all the things that I really am. Yeah. And that's why I've loved human design so much because it gives you a super clear blueprint of this is exactly who you're meant to be. And anything you're doing that's off center from that is, it's not a bad thing. It's just, oh, you have this opportunity. 
And it took the pressure off. Because when you learn your human design, you're like, it's not, oh, I have to do this now. It's, oh, I have permission now to do the things that I naturally want to do that I'm trying not to do. as Right, because someone else is telling me to do this instead. I can't make myself do X, Y, Z. That has been totally life-changing. And I've had a lot of clients in readings say, oh my God, I hate that about myself. No, how can you hate that about yourself? Because you can see right here, this is the intended outcome of that gift that you're wishing away. And as soon as they realize that and they accept it, they're like, whoa, that is actually... I so relate though, because I mean, with projectors, a big thing is resting. And we talked about this last time we met, but I never want to rest and I'm so resistant to it. But the best ideas and the most energy and the most motivation comes after I allow myself to rest or to just follow my passions and just do some stuff that sounds fun. You know, afterwards, it's always such a good outcome. So I'm still learning that lesson. I am too. I am too. I think that's the hardest thing because we're brought up to think that work has to be hard. We're not going to be productive unless we're slaving away that, you know, good things only come to us if we're working super hard. And it just doesn't have to be that way, but it's still hard to accept. And it's still Mm -hmm. hard to embody that and be like, I can stay in bed until noon today and still be just as productive as I would have been if I had forced myself to get up at six and start working. That's one that I'm still working on majorly (laughs) is not feeling that guilt and really truly allowing myself. I'm getting there. I'm moving there very slowly, but I'm getting there. Okay. So that's it for our rapid fire, I guess, not so rapid fire questions because I want details on everything, (laughs) but let's get into the good stuff. So I want you to just take an opportunity to introduce yourself. Tell us about yourself and your story. What led you to intuitive eating, human design? What led you to this career? Okay. I'll try to be kind of brief. And I always say that and it ends up being, it can be as my entire story. So (laughs) it's kind of in two parts because I've been teaching intuitive eating for two years and human design is something that I've been learning almost that long, but just now I'm integrating it together in the past couple months. So if we go back way up, I started struggling with my body image and basically my self-worth when I was 10. This is the first time I remember consciously looking at my body and thinking, this is not good enough. This is not it. I don't look like the other girls. I hit my growth spurt early. I was a little bit chunky. My doctor showed me my growth chart and she was like, hey, your weight's up here and it should be down here, which my mom was not in the room for that. She wasn't in, in the exam room. And that's like her biggest regret in life because she feels like she could have fixed all of the next 10 years for me if she had just been there. But, you know, it happened for a reason. And so I it just kept developing to where, you know, I, I just needed to be smaller. I needed to be smaller, take up less space and have this, you know, this certain body type or else I wasn't good enough. And so all of the perfectionism and the need for control and my drive to achieve. By the time I got to college, it had funneled into what I looked like. So I needed to be perfect in school and in friendships and in all of these other things. And most importantly, didn't matter how successful I was in anything else. If I didn't have a size two body, none of it mattered. Like it it was all or nothing. I had to be perfect in everything or I was worthless which is a lot of pressure. So naturally eating disorder developed. I didn't eat for a really long time. And then luckily I had an intervention. Some of my friends were like, "This, we're not going to do this anymore. This is not you. You are just like a shadow 
of our friend. And I'm so, so thankful that they kind of cut me off because I didn't suffer with the anorexia as much as a lot of girls do because they snapped me out of it pretty quickly. But what happened after that, because because I was still, you know, it kind of goes back to that upper limit problem because I was still not able to allow myself to be happy with the body that I had. It went into a binging restricting pattern, which I don't know if you've dealt with this with clients, like super common with people that I've worked with that they do the full restriction. And as soon as they snap out of that, it goes into, they still feel the need to restrict, but then their body is like, we're starving. So that went on for about two years. I was struggling with that. I felt guilty every night. I was so ashamed. I didn't want anyone to figure it out. Cause again, like I had to have my shit together. I was the person who had everything together. I was getting straight A's in college. I was in, I was in leadership positions. I was in a sorority. I had, I was, you know, blonde and 20 and pretty and all of these things. So I had to be perfect. And eventually you get to a point where you just can't do it anymore. And I hit rock bottom. I ended up gaining like 15 pounds in three months, which for someone who's five, two and generally a really athletic person is pretty, pretty drastic. And at that point, I just, I like, look, I remember looking at myself in the mirror and not recognizing myself. Like, this is not me. I looked miserable. I looked scared. I looked small, even though I was like the largest I had ever been. And I started going through all the diets in my head. Like I have to do this, then I can do this and I'll do this and I'll cut out carbs and I'll do this diet and blah, blah, blah. And I was just in a panic spiraling. And then I had this little voice say, no, we're not doing this again. I cannot live like this anymore. And as soon as I heard that, I stopped crying because I was like sobbing, (laughs) crying. And I stopped crying and I thought about it. It's like, what if there's something else I could do? What if I just let myself let go of all the expectation and just eat like a normal human and exercise and hang out with my friends and go out to dinner and have drinks and just do what I know is healthy for myself without freaking out and making myself miserable and frankly, making everyone around me miserable. Because when you're around someone like that, even if you're not totally aware of it, like the energy off that person is just, they're radiating desperation and it's stressful, you know? So I made a decision then I was going to do the research. I was going to decide what I needed to do. I was going to understand what was going on in my own head. And I gave myself as much time as I needed to just see where my body settled naturally. I put no expectation on it. I didn't say I'm going to lose this weight. I didn't do any of that. It was just, what do I want to do today? What sounds good to me today? And that was it. And it took about six months probably. But after six months, I was in the best shape I've, I had ever been in probably. All of my clothes fit. I was super confident. I, this is funny. I had boys like knocking down my door. So many boys asking me out. Your energy, your energy was probably just magnetic, right? Versus. Yeah, because I was so confident. I wasn't trying to make myself small anymore. I wasn't comparing myself to all these other girls thinking, oh, they're so much better than me or they're skinnier than me or whatever. I was just hanging out. I was just doing what I wanted to do and enjoying myself. And it felt so good. And yeah, I mean, I was hooked. And so when I graduated, I got a corporate job. I was in supply chain and I knew I wanted to own my own business. I just wasn't sure what it was going to be. And it kind of just evolved. I was like, what if I just help people do what I just did? Because I was only maybe a year out at that point. You know, I'd only been recovered for a year, a year and a half. And I was like, what if I just turned this into a program and I taught people how to do it? And I found a business coach that said he would help me and gave him my entire life savings. 
and it was so scary. So I just started the business and I just built it and created this program called Body and Soul Bootcamp. It's a three-month program, custom workouts, intuitive eating, all that stuff. And did that for two years. And it was so fun and so gratifying. I mean, you know how it is. Like, it's just so fun to watch people completely transform. And so just recently, actually, I guess it was probably six months into my business, I had another burnout, kind of like what we were talking about, just worked 12 hours a day, I had to make a certain amount of money, I was doing the perfectionist thing again, it came back, but it was just in my business didn't matter about my body, it was just in my business. So the pattern and this is the thing, like the pattern is going to keep coming up until you address it. Like you can fix the symptom, but until you fix the problem, the actual problem in your mind, it's going to keep coming up. And so when I hit rock bottom with that, I just had this huge, just mental breakdown. I just didn't know what to do. I was going to shut everything down. I was going to give up. And then I found uh, Paige Michelle. She's a, again, like a business mentor, like just a powerhouse of a woman. And she taught human design. I was like, this is crazy. What is this? And I started researching it. I looked up my type. I was like, I don't even know what this is. And so I invested in her three-month human design course. And that was really my first dip into how to live as a projector and what does that mean and how do I need to operate? How do I need to communicate? And it totally changed the game. I made back my investment within 24 hours, which was wild. I put 2K down and then 24 hours later, I had a new client for 2K. And the next three months were the highest earning months that I've ever had. I mean, up until that point, it was crazy. So I was hooked. I was like, wow, I'm going to learn this. And so when she offered a certification program about six months ago, I signed up for that, got certified. And since then, it's kind of been percolating. Like, how does all this relate with intuitive eating? How does all this, you know, how would this have changed the way that I recovered had I known all of this five years ago? And I kind of re- reverse engineered it from there. And that's how I got into innovating by design. So here we are. Wow. That is so cool. There are so many parts of your story that I relate to. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, I'm sure so many listeners do too. So when you had said back in college, when you were, it kind of turned from just restricting to binge restricting. Oof, I felt that because that is yeah. exactly what happened to me too. It turned into the binging because our body is like screaming for fuel, right? Yeah. And then it becomes this habit. So my question is, was that like in secret? Did anybody know that you were going through the binge restrict cycle? Because I know when I was going through that, I was like very secretive about it. Nobody knew that that was happening behind closed doors. I still looked like the healthy friend on the outside, right? So was that your story too? Yeah. Yeah. I was totally ashamed. I was totally secretive about it. And if I ever did like kind of binge in front of other people and I thought they noticed, I would just like retreat into the shell and like internally freak out that they knew and they saw me and all of these things, just they're judging me into the, it was a horrible place to live. I mean, I was scared my roommates were going to find out that I was eating all sorts of stuff out of the pantry every night. I couldn't sleep because all I could think about was food. I just wanted to eat for two hours after I got in bed. So yeah. And I didn't, I don't even know if I talked to my mom about it. She was the person that I talked to the most about all this stuff. And I don't know if I even told her about it. 
Same. Yeah, I didn't very... tell really anyone. And then you just feel so alone and you really feel like you're the only person who is mm-hmm. ever dealing with this. And you feel like, what is wrong with me? How many times have I said that phrase to myself and heard other women say that to themselves? Like, what is wrong with me? And yeah. one of the biggest tools I've learned is like being vulnerable enough to share this with other people. And you'll realize so many other people are going through the same thing. And then some people have the tools to help you. Exactly. Exactly. And that's been one of the most exciting things to see for me teaching this over the past two years is the clients that I have who end up being really vocal about what they're going through, not only see the most change, but they're so inspired because other people reach out to them and they say, thank you so much for sharing this. I thought I was the only one. So we're all out here thinking we're the only ones. Yes. Yeah. And it's so different. I almost... I wonder what it's like to be that age now. I wonder if it doesn't feel so alone. I hope so because so much has changed in the last five or six years, even probably four or five years, things have changed so much. So I hope that has changed for girls, you know, in the 18 to 21 range that they maybe feel like they don't, they can talk about it more. I agree. And, and there's obviously we know there's lots of negative effects to social media, but I think Mm -hmm. there's also lots of positives too, like that. Like there's so many people that age range is on TikTok a bunch. And there's so many resources on TikTok. First of all, there is a lot of examples of disordered eating and things that shouldn't be on there. But then there's (laughs) also people who are really vulnerably sharing their stories. I'm seeing a lot more people speak out about anxiety and depression and, and their, their story with eating and their eating habits. And it's, it's just kind of nice. So yeah, hopefully I agree. I think maybe now they might feel less alone. I'm curious about that too. So when you were going into this, so when you said you had that like breakdown moment where you gained 15 pounds and you decided to kind of turn it around, did you have any resources that you went to, or did you read the intuitive eating book or was this just something that you kind of What did you turn to, to learn about this? Or did you just kind of find your way there on your own? A lot of it was finding my way on my own. I did read the intuitive eating book. I still have it on my bookshelf. I did read that. And I think my mom gave me like a self-esteem workbook or something like that. I did three of those exercises, not very many because I was still really resistant to that kind of thing, but it was mostly, it was mostly a commitment to myself to stop being so mean to myself. That was the biggest thing because I was, I became so aware of how often I said just whole things to myself. And that was the biggest change for me was stopping that pattern, which took, like I said, probably even longer than six months. If I'm being honest, it took a very long time, but now I don't, if I ever look in the mirror and I see some, if I see my cellulite, which used to be a huge trigger. Now I'm just like, Oh, look at that. Neutral, just neutral about it. There's no emotional rising. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm the same way. And I never thought I could get to this point. And it's wow, look at me go, you know, and I forget, I forget that that's such an accomplishment now. Sometimes. Yes. I forget so often what I was like. I was actually saying that to, I think my boyfriend a couple of days ago, like, you're so lucky you met me when you did and not a year before you would not have recognized me. You would not have recognized me because I still have moments where I'm like, Oh, you know, I've been eating really badly or I've been, I've gained some weight. Like during quarantine, I gained five pounds. I was like, oh man, I gained some weight. I don't feel like I look as good as I should. Da, da, da. It happens like once every three months and it lasts about two minutes. Right. Where people it used think to be two minutes for the entire day. Yes. You know? 
And people think that you go on this journey and you feel confident 100% of the time and you feel good in your body 100% of the time. You never think about going back to a diet. And the reality is like nothing, it's, that's just another all or nothing way of thinking, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're never going to be confident 100% of the time, but now it turns around a lot quicker. It's mostly confident thoughts with a sprinkle of thoughts that might be like, Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. And also you have the tools to turn it around. Mm -hmm. You know how to quickly turn it around. And what you said about saying mean things about yourself, woof, that's like such a hard one to overcome, but it's a habit, right? Like we, we, we recognize some of these habits that are self-sabotaging us that we can see with our eyes, right? Oh, I'm constantly binging and then under eating or I'm exercising. We can see those habits, but a lot of our habits are actually just thought patterns, right? That we need to break, like mm-hmm. looking in the mirror and the noticing all the negative things versus noticing what we love. And the right. thought patterns, I would argue, are even more important. Like they're the first thing to tackle. So I think it's really cool that you said that's what you focused on first. Like that was something mm-hmm. that you tackled first. And I think that's what most people would benefit from doing is, is noticing what the thoughts are inside their brain. Right. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to have someone to guide you through it. Yes. You know, I didn't have anybody to help me. I didn't have anybody who I knew who had gone through this. I didn't know there were experts out there. I don't know if there even were very many. I think there was one, I think there was one intuitive eating coach. I was on her email list one. And now I know probably six personally, you know, there's a ton, a ton. And so it's, it's so interesting how long it took me to figure this out. I mean, I was in the eating disorder mindset for for probably five years, if I'm being totally honest. Whereas now I know for a fact that you can turn 99% of this around four to five months, three months, if you're a total baller, but like you can be 99% done within six months, if you decide to do the work. And if you have somebody who is telling you these things, like 95% of your thoughts are recurring every single day. Mm -hmm. So those mean thoughts you're having every single day, multiple times a day, multiple times an hour, probably. How boring is that? If you focus on one thought that comes up, even if it's just like the cellulite, that's the one thing. That's probably a good 10% of what you think about during the day. If you're in that mindset, which is ridiculous. I mean, think about how much more you can accomplish if you're not thinking about, oh shit, how many calories have I eaten today? What am I going to do? What am I going to have for dinner? Oh my God, I'm so hungry. Like that to me was definitely 50% of my thought process when I was in that mode. So if you can, if you can, at least if you can just choose and be really intentional about, okay, this is the thought that we are eliminating now. And then we're going to this one. And then we're going to this one. It's this cascade effect where you see how much space is created. And it's a slow process too, because Mm -hmm. like you said, you kind of do have to tackle it one thought at a time. And also I think it takes some time to build the awareness. A lot of people will say, I feel like you start by noticing it after you did it, right? You'll notice like, oh man, I was totally beating myself up earlier. And then you eventually get to the point where you notice it in the middle of it. And then you eventually get to the point where you notice it right before you're about to do it. And then you're like, then you get to make the choice. Am I going to do it still? Or am I not? And sometimes you make the choice to still do it. And sometimes you make the choice not to. And eventually, you know, it's like such a slow process, which is yes, exactly what it is. I feel like I'm talking to myself. That's exactly (laughs) what it is. I love it. I wish everyone could see how much we're smiling right now. That's exactly what it is. Just like (laughs) nodding ferociously. Yes. So yeah, that's one way that 
actually, you said that most of our thoughts, we have so much more space in our brain to think about other things. And for me, that was one thing where, so I'm, I don't teach intuitive eating, but it's funny. A lot of people Mm -hmm. think I do because a lot of the concepts I teach are really similar. So when I gained food freedom, I feel like that was one of the really unexpected things that happened to me was so much more brain space for other things other than food. And I didn't realize that I was thinking about food practically 24 seven. And I had so much more space in my brain to think about other things and concentrate during the day. So what's something that like, what's one way that intuitive eating and kind of breaking away from diets and restriction has changed you that you didn't really expect it to? Something that I didn't expect because I didn't realize that I was lacking is that I'm definitely a better friend and a better partner than I was. When you're thinking about food and what you look like all the time, you're really self-absorbed. And even if your innate soul is very generous and loving and kind and caring, that's limited when you're thinking about what do I look like? What am I doing? How many calories? All that stuff. And so now I have so much more space to think about other people a little bit more and think about, you know, think about myself in relation to other people. Like, how did I show up for her today? Or, you know, have I been absent in this way? And that I didn't expect because I didn't think that I was doing anything wrong. But now looking back, I'm like, oh, yeah, that was probably really miserable (laughs) to be around, you know? Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. And that's what I'm still working on. Relationships are an ever, you know, like for me, a lifelong thing where I'm trying to get better at it. But I, I would say the same for me. I was definitely probably not so pleasant to be around and definitely self-centered. Yeah. So, Cause you almost have to be with that level of obsession, right? There's not much give or take with what you can do or it, it's, it's just, it's all consuming. And I think it is, that's exactly what I was going to say. All consuming. And that's why it's a mental health issue. Yes. Because it's, it is literally an altered state of mind. I could not go back to being anorexic. If I tried, if I decided I want to lose 20 pounds in the next two weeks, I couldn't do it because my brain is no longer in that altered state. And that's what people don't understand. It's not a choice. You end up there. There's a, obviously a series of choices that you make to end up there, but it's not something you're choosing to do every day. It totally takes control, totally takes control. And that's so restricting or binging or overeating or bulimia, whatever it is. And that's so interesting you say that because I heard on a podcast recently, and I can't remember which podcast it was. I listened to so many, but it was, they were talking about how dieters kind of lose that ability to be super strict over time. And I would agree with that. Looking at my past, you know, eventually you're just like, you feel like you have no willpower because you you really can't do it anymore. And my past was my last diet. My last diet that I went went on was before my wedding. I counted macros for two years. I was in a caloric deficit and was definitely doing the binge restrict thing. Like on the weekends, got to the point where I just couldn't do it anymore. After my wedding, I was like, I cannot even think about restricting. I can't even, I can't even think about anything. I just had zero capacity left in me to even consider changing my body or losing fat or even restricting what I was eating. There was no way in hell that I was going to be able to do that. (laughs) And even now I do feel like you need a little bit of a rebound for a while Mm -hmm. where you kind of just let yourself do what you need to do and just focus on recovering. 
because that's what I did for a good long time before. Now I'm at the point where I can focus on health and honoring hunger and fullness. But for a while there, I was probably consistently overeating just because my body was probably screaming for calories, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And that's, that's something that is really scary to do to say, okay, I'm allowed to have whatever I want. I'm allowed to eat anything. It's all on the table. And so with that being said, what do I want? What feels good to me? And that's where you get into the honoring your hunger and listening to what your body is actually asking for. Because if we're honest with ourselves and if we get to, this is the tricky part when you're in recovery, you have to kind of allow your body to recalibrate and get the hormones back in line and actually be able to listen to your body because we're often so out of whack, we don't even know anymore. And so when you allow yourself to get into that space where everything is kind of balanced, most of the time your body says, I want green stuff. I want fruits. I want veggies. I want just a certain amount of this food. And then I want to splurge and I want to enjoy like this week is Thanksgiving. So I'm going to eat pumpkin pie. I'm going to have, I don't know. I can't even think of any other Thanksgiving bread, mashed potatoes. Like I'm going to eat those stuffing without feeling bad about it. And know the next day, my body's probably going to want a smoothie for breakfast and then something probably lighter the rest of the day. That's just how the cycle goes. And that freedom, knowing that you can trust yourself is so different. But I think something that a lot of people don't talk about is what it takes to get to that point. Like Mm -hmm. you said, there's a recovery period where your hormones are out of whack because you've been restricting for so long, your body's producing way more ghrelin, which is the hunger hormone and way less leptin, which is the fullness hormone. And your brain is constantly firing, firing to tell you to eat, to eat, to eat, because it doesn't know that you are trying to lose weight. It just is trying to keep you surviving. So you will likely, and this is a hard thing that a lot of people don't want to accept, but there probably will be a period of time where you will be eating a lot more and you won't crave the green stuff, Mm -hmm. but eventually you'll get to the point where you do. So it's like knowing that, that there's going to be that light at the end of the tunnel, but you got to take the time to balance it out. Yeah. And I think that that comes with releasing the expectation. Yes. So most of the time, I don't know if this is what you experience, but most of the time when I have someone come to me and want help, they start out by saying, I want to lose X amount of pounds. I want to get healthier. I want to tone up. I'm like, great. And by the time we're done with our first conversation, they're like, you know what? I don't care if I lose weight. I just want to feel X, Y, Z. I just want to feel more alive, more energetic, more vibrant. And That's the priority, which allows them to feel more comfortable with letting themselves eat what they want because the expectation is no longer, I'm going to lose weight. They're not putting pressure on it anymore. And so as soon as they let go of that and they're like, this is the journey I'm on. I'm just letting myself, I'm just surrendering myself to it. Mm -hmm. As long as I feel good, that's what matters. And then after three months, they're like, holy shit, I've lost 10 pounds. Really great. (laughs) Yeah. It's right. And you realize it's a bonus once you start noticing all the other changes. That and reminds then when it me stays off. That's the huge win. I just was talking to my first client who signed up with me two years ago. And I asked her, I was like, how are you doing? You know, because she was really young. She's only 19, I think. So I was like, you know, it's really easy for someone so young to forget. And she's like, oh, I'm great. Everything is the same, same body weight I have been. I'm PRing in my swim team, like all this stuff. I was like, yes. yes. And that's the best part is that you don't, you're done. Like you're totally done. This is just who you are. This is just where you're at. This is what your body is. And it feels so good. 
Yes, exactly. And that's what most people don't realize. Like Mm -hmm. the reason I am so anti-diet is not, I'm not anti-weight loss. I'm not anti, you know, anybody trying to pursue weight loss, but diets don't work. I'm like, you might lose it in the short term, but you know, it's like saying here, you're going to do this financial investment where you're going to gain a tiny bit of money in the short term. And then you're going to lose way more than you ended up with. Who would ever great analogy because it's so true. No one would ever do that. Nobody would ever do that. Why would I do that? But marketing is super slick. And and this is the message that's not getting out to enough people. I think, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're, we're trending that way. Definitely as a society, more people are starting to understand these concepts and, and understand that the things that they're doing are not benefiting them, but it'll just take some time for our whole society to move that way. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So I have a question for you. So like I said, I don't strictly teach intuitive eating. I don't consider myself an intuitive eating coach. I actually combine, I like to call it a a combination of intentional and intuitive eating. And it's my belief. I feel like I think intuitive eating is amazing. I think the movement is awesome, but I definitely don't think it's for everyone. Just because some people are not ready to make that jump to allowing their bodies to fully, you know, just do what it wants. Oh, and what you were saying before about surrendering reminded me of the book, The Surrender Experiment. I don't know if you've read that, but it is- I haven't read that one. I'm writing it down. (laughs) It's so good. And that's something I've been practicing in my own life is just much more surrender and just about being on the journey of where life wants to take us versus trying to like strictly stranglehold our desires into existence. But I was getting off topic. So what I was going to say was, what do you think? Do you think that everyone who has dieted or struggled with weight, do you think that intuitive eating is something for everyone or do you think that it's something that works for some people and not others? And it's okay if you don't have the same opinion as me, because that's totally fine. Yeah. I, I think it is for everyone. I think that some people have a more difficult time with the transition than others. So I do think that people have a hard time letting go of any structure whatsoever immediately. And so it sounds like I haven't seen your programs or, or been on a coaching call with you, but it sounds like you just provide some more nutritional structure than I do. Yeah. So, and I think, I think that's great. I think that's great. I think that ultimately we want to get to a point where we don't, where that structure is just innate. That's the way that we eat intuitively. Right. So I think some people, I think it depends on how, how willing people are to release control. And that's probably based on their personality and whatever. So yeah, I think it's just two different strategies. You provide some more structure, whereas I'm just like, I have a nutritional guideline that I've created for you. We want to make sure you're eating vegetables. We want to make sure you're eating fruits. But after that, what we're going to talk about is what's going on in your brain and what you feel like. We're going to talk about your energy. We're going to talk about all these other things in your life that may not have anything to do with food because often I don't even talk about food with my clients. It's never about the food. food. So we're going to talk about all the other stuff. It's almost like we're dangling the food freedom in front of them. That's the carrot that they think they want. What they really want is all of this other stuff that they don't even know that they can have. And that's what's really exciting. So I I really do. I think you're just providing a little bit more of a runway. Whereas I'm just like, we're just letting go of everything, Um, which can be really scary. But at the same time, if you trust yourself, 
and you're that kind of personality can really work. For sure. And I completely, completely agree. I think intuitive eating is always the end goal, but I'm the type of person that if you were to tell me, I'm going to give you no structure whatsoever, I would be like, nah, dog, I'm out. Like I need, I need structure, whether I'm creating it myself, which is something I love doing is like creating structure because my brain can tend to be all over the place. And so Mm -hmm. I need something to kind of keep me in line. Otherwise I will like just go off the deep end, right? Like if I don't Mm -hmm. have structure in my days, I'll just end up, who knows what I'll end up doing. Yesterday I ended up painting a bar stool in my kitchen and I was just like, what am I doing? So, I mean, Yeah. yeah, definitely provide more structure. Like when it comes to incorporating some of those old trigger foods and things that we're scared to eat, like I'll provide a structure for how to incorporate those. Mm-hmm. And this is why my, my newest program is set up to be one-on-one in the past. I was doing group coaching and now it's, this is one-on-one, not only because I want to go really deep into your human design and all of those patterns that probably lead to the disordered eating, but I want to be able to take each person as they come and say, okay, so you have an issue with this trigger food. This is how we're going to, so like I give that structure in the one-on-one format. So I I really think what we do is super similar. I think I just talk about it in a different way than you do for sure. That's the beauty of coaching though, right? It's like Mm -hmm. the way that I present things will work for one person and the way that you present things will work for somebody else. And it's just all about finding that person that feels like the right fit to you. Mm -hmm. So I I do want to talk about your new program because I think it's so fascinating that you have combined human design and intuitive eating. I think that is so cool. So I already did a podcast with a guest, Carrie, um, about human design. So if any listeners are listening and they want to learn more in depth of just human design, definitely go back and listen to that podcast. I'll link it in the notes, but let's Let's talk about really briefly what human design is, and then let's talk about how you combined these two practices and what that looks like. So what is human design? Human design at a very broad level is simply a blueprint of who you are, who you're designed to be based on when you were born, the genes that you have activated in your body, the energy that you naturally have in your body. It sounds super woo-woo. There is science behind it, which I really enjoy. If you're a quantum physics nerd, you'll you can nerd out on all that stuff all day long. And I want to note that it's it's not like a horoscope. People no. are like, oh, it's just like a horoscope or like no. a enneagram. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Those are fun, but this is different. And it, I mean, we can go so 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 deep with it. That's the really cool thing. We can go so deep, and the deeper you go, the more accurate it feels. And that to me is what why it stands up so well. That's why it's such a great tool because usually things like that, the deeper you go, you're like, oh, it kind of fell apart. Yeah. <laughs> and this one, the deeper you go, you're like, oh man, oh man, this is awesome. This is so right on. So yeah, that's human design in a nutshell. And have you, just out of curiosity, have you ever given a reading to someone or had somebody know somebody who has found out their human design and didn't resonate with it? The only person is my mom, which is funny. She's a manifesting generator, which means that she's got a lot of life force energy and she has a lot of manifestation power. Like what she says matters. And the reason, and I've told her this, the reason that she doesn't resonate with it is because she's allowed herself to become so conditioned and she's allowed herself to be so not confident in who she is for so long. Like I'll tell her stuff and she's like, I know that's true about myself, but I don't feel it. And so that's the only time. And, you know, the deeper I go with her, 
the more she's like, I know that's true, but I just don't know. I don't feel it. So we're working on it. We're yeah. On. There's yeah. a lot of fears too, mm-hmm. from breaking out of the mold of who we know we've known ourselves to be for our entire life. My, my husband, when I looked up his human design is a projector and I would have never in 1 million years guessed that. And like when I told him about it, we both were like, I just don't know if this is correct. And then the more I started like noticing his habits and like really, really, really paying attention, even though I live with him, he's a busybody, but at the same time, he totally will just take those time. He loves just like crashing with me, you know? And I think almost Mm -hmm. living with me gives him that permission to take the rest that he needs as a projector. So it's funny. You're totally right. I think some people, it's just, that's what we're conditioned to do and be right. Like men are conditioned to be the providers and always be going and doing right. And so Mm -hmm. it's really hard for them to rest and relax, but yeah, it's just, yeah. So I was just curious about that. So, okay, so let's talk about how you combine these two things. How do intuitive eating and human design come together? Because I know they talk a little bit about digestion, but I want to know how you put these two things together. I'm so curious. So the digestion part of it is actually the least important part of it. It's really interesting. People would think that, and I thought this too, I was so ready to learn that when I started the certification. And then by the time we got there, I was like, it doesn't even matter. I think I learned about what my digestion type is and I totally didn't resonate with it. Like it said that I was supposed to eat small meals a day, like a bunch of small meals a day. And I was like, no, that's totally not me at all, which is interesting. I I have, I think I have the same one and I kind of go in and out of that. So it kind of just depends on my mood. Sometimes I, I do have little, you know, five meals a day. And sometimes I have two or three. But that goes back to the intuitive eating thing. So so what is the most important and, and what I noticed is we have these condition patterns, the not self patterns that are based on fear or they're based on scarcity, something like that. And that's what leads to any kind of dysfunction in your life. Disordered eating is just another dysfunction. It's just a symptom of a misuse of your energy. And so we use human design to really hack into This is, these are the patterns that are going on. Let's just address those head on, just cut through the bullshit. And then when we add in the intuitive eating techniques, it's, it's just done. It's just so much easier because we already know it's perfectionism or control or whatever else is coming up based on your open centers in your body or whatever genes that you have. Cause like I noticed in one of my genes they are called gates in human design. I was reading the textbook and I was like, Oh my God, it literally says when out of alignment can manifest as addiction or eating disorders. I was like, Oh my God, it's right there. It was nuts. So when we hack into that, it just makes it so much simpler to see this is exactly what's going on. We can address all of those and then add in those intuitive eating techniques and you're good to go. I so wish we would have pulled up my, my chart my human design mm-hmm. chart before this so that we could see what mine said. Cause that's so interesting. That is, you really might cool. have the same gene. You might have the same gate activated that I have. That would be really interesting to see. That would. So basically it's just about understanding those not self patterns and mm-hmm. finding where they are affecting your eating and how they're affecting your eating basically. Yeah, But anything else, because yeah. often it's people pleasing or it's perfectionism or it's, the, the drive to prove yourself or to achieve. It can be all of these things. I had all of those. So if we know that these are the patterns, it's like you said, 
we're able to recognize the patterns much more quickly and then stop them if we know, okay, this, 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 and this is happening instead of taking, you know, two months to build client rapport and see, okay, this has happened to you. This is definitely popping up. I've noticed you saying this a lot. I can just look at it and see, okay, this, 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 and this, do you resonate with this? And then we're, I mean, it's, it just saves time, really. It's just more efficient. Mm, that's so interesting. So mm-hmm. do you think that the different types, so there's for, there's the projector, reflector, man, manifester, manifesting mm-hmm. generator and generator mm-hmm. Would the way that they would approach health. And I'm just keeping it. I like to just talk about those. I know there's like, we could dive so deep. We could go- this podcast could be 12. This could be like a Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> Seriously. So I like to keep it high level so that people aren't like, what are you talking about? But right. those different types that everyone can be identified as, do you think that that affects how people, just that in general, how they go about health and wellness? So would a projector go about that in a different way than a manifester or a generator? Because from my, and I'll just say what yeah. I would assume is like that projectors would have to be much more flowy about it and reflectors and like where their energy is because projectors and reflectors are non-energy types. And I think manifestors are non-energy types too. So it's like Mm -hmm. you would have to base it around that. Whereas like a generator could have a super consistent schedule and probably really stick to it really easily. And like a projector like me used to look at somebody like that and be like, man, I wish I could do that. I just can't do that and beat myself up but I just now understand my energy works a little bit differently. So do you feel like that has anything to do with it? Like how people go about this? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you nailed it. So, and there's no one size fits all. Everyone is still unique. When we're looking at the types, it's a very broad view. There might be other pieces of your design that say this is going to be really good for you. Like a high energy workout is going to be really good for you or doing something slower is going to work for you more often than not. But as a whole, the non-energy types, reflectors, projectors, and manifestors are going to want to be more flexible and more attuned to what do I need today? What feels good to me today? Is it a high intensity workout or is it just taking a walk? And we want to allow ourselves to not necessarily have a routine. Not that we don't have a routine, but not be tied to the routine because our energy may be there some days and it's not there other days. That's fine. Whereas generators, manifesting generators are more likely to have consistent energy all the time. So you know that five days a week, you're going across it and you're going to kick ass and it's going to be great. And it's going to actually help balance, not balance your nervous system, but calm your nervous system because you're releasing a lot of the energy. So what happens with, with those types is if they don't get out all the energy during the day, they have a hard time sleeping or they feel anxious, things like that. So something more high intensity like running or CrossFit or a HIIT class is going to help you calm the nervous system. Whereas if you're a reflector or a manifester and you're trying to make yourself do a an hour and a half workout every single day, you might be way more drained than you walked in. So it might be better to balance two days a week, you're doing something high intensity. And then three days a week, you're doing something like Pilates or yoga, or just lifting lighter weights for, you know, longer sets, that kind of thing. So it's, it's really just about what is actually stressing my body out more, and what's helping calm my body. So again, like you always have to listen. It's not to say that, you know, you have to be smart and listen to the 
the health guidelines. Like we're not supposed to be doing two a days of everything all the time, just because you're a generator, you know, you still got to be careful and take care of yourself. But in general, that's kind of the way that it works. Yes. And I, oh my gosh, I relate to that so much because I used to think I should be doing these high intensity exercises all the time. And I would, I would actually in high school, go to the gym before school and work out for an hour and a half. And so I did this with a couple of my friends and my friends would be like, I feel so energized. Like I feel so good doing that makes me feel so good. And I would be like, I want to crawl in the corner and take a nap. I feel this makes me feel awful. Like it made me feel so bad. And I looking back, it's just because I was being too intense too consistently. And I didn't, again, I beat myself up and was like, Chelsea, you just have to try harder. You just, you know, and that's what we can do it. That means I have to do it. Yeah. And that's what we do when we don't understand like how to honor our individual body. And Mm -hmm. I, I do teach in my program, intuitive movement and exercise and finding those things that make you really joyful that you want to do. But then also like knowing what is your body telling you right now? Cause like your brain will tell you all kinds of things, right? Oh, I don't feel like exercising. I just want to go have a glass of wine on the couch, but it's like knowing your body well enough to be like, do I really need to get out this energy or do I need to rest or do I need to do something more low intensity? Our body Mm -hmm. will always tell us. Always, always. And that's something that I've noticed too. And if we go back to, you know, we all want to have the best body that we can. So I noticed this was even after I figured out I was a projector, I was continuing to do super intense, like conditioning, weightlifting, hour and a half long workouts with this group that I was doing. And I finally realized, I think it was January of this year that I was bloated. I was sore all the time. My body hurt. Everything felt awful. And so I made myself take an entire month off and just do yoga and that was it. And so now (laughs) as I like released all of that, I'm, I'm really being intentional about like how intense am I going to be for two days of the week? And then how do I integrate the rest of it? And my body feels so much better. I fit into my clothes better. My cravings are under control. Everything has changed. And this was just this year. So no one's perfect. You know, we teach all of these things, but it doesn't mean that we've necessarily been perfect with it the entire time. So that to me was a huge indication of, okay, my body really does not need all of that. It's fun to do every once in a while, but it it definitely doesn't need to be a three times a week, four times a week situation. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting you say that. I didn't realize it, but that's kind of what I do too. I mean, I didn't even notice it, but that's pretty much what I do is like some more high intensity things. And then also sprinkled in with some yoga, some bar, some long walks, Mm -hmm. all kinds of things that are much more low intensity. But yeah, I really only tend to do a high intensity workout one or two times a week. And, you know, with my clients, I always tell them that I'm on this journey too, right? Like it's not when you start this program is the beginning of your journey. And when you end this program is the end of your journey. I'm still on my journey. It's a continuous thing that you continue learning for the rest of your life and getting to know your body more and more and fine tuning this stuff. I will never claim to have all the answers and be like the ultimate guru. We're all on this journey. Like you said, you just figured out this year that that feels good in your body. But next year, you might discover something else that feels even better or shift and change. Absolutely. We have to allow ourselves to be malleable with what we do and who we are because Mm -hmm. we're constantly growing. Going back to that coaching thing, we're all obsessed with growing and shifting and changing. It's just, it's so fun, but we have to allow ourselves that room to let our, 
let ourselves do that. Yeah. And experiment and, and release the pressure to be perfect and to have it all figured out because we, if we have it all figured out, then what's the point? How boring. (laughs) So boring. So life is all about just figuring it out. And I don't know if I'm skeptical, but anybody who claims to know it all, I'm like, I don't know. Cause I feel like the more, you know, the more you know that you don't know. Immediately, uh, very put off by anyone who's like, this is the way. The only way. Yeah. That's not the only way. way. I know. My clients probably get so annoyed with me because I'm like, well, you could do this or this or this. And you know, like a hundred options. And I'm like, but which one resonates with you? You know, because that really is the case. There's not a one size fits all for any of this stuff. So I completely agree. I'm very turned off by that. So I'm just curious. What do you feel like? So you said you are also a human design projector. And mm-hmm. again, there's so much we could dive into with human design, but in the name of time, we won't dive into all of it. But what's like the biggest revelation that you've made about yourself from human design that you feel like really, really impacts your life? Really, it's an energetic thing that I didn't understand, but really resonated with me. So my teacher gave me this, this metaphor for a projector. She said that the projector, so if we're in a town square, the manifester is going up to people and talking. The generator is doing the same thing, like gathering up a bunch of people and, and you know, just going up to people and initiating things, especially the manifestor is initiating things. They're all having conversations. They're just talking, 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 trying to go out to people and bring them in. And the projector is just standing there, maybe on a little soapbox or on a little stage, just standing there. And they're just talking. This is what I'm passionate about. This is what I believe. This is what lights me up. And some people are going to pass by and not pay any attention, but some people are going to stop and they're going to look and they're going to listen. And eventually you're going to have a crowd of people around you if you continue to do that. And that was, I have chills right now talking about it. Same. That's so good analogy. Is so different than what I was taught to do as a business owner in marketing so different than anything. I don't have to go up to people and say, Hey, this is really cool. Hey, you need to know about intuitive eating. This is the, I'm just over here being a lighthouse. Cause that's the other thing is the generator is a speedboat, right? They're just, they've got a motor, but the projector is the one who's guiding them where to go, what to do. And the light from the projector, the aura of the projector invites them in and, and just, we're just here to guide. And that resonated so much for me. It allowed me to do so much less and focus on what feels important and what feels purposeful instead of just doing things because other people said I need to change the entire way that I was working and the way that I, the way that I work with clients too. I don't feel like I have to give them a bunch of stuff. I don't feel like I have to do all these things. My presence and me just talking to them and creating the space for them to transform is the only thing I have to do. That is so, that is so good. I love that because it's true. If, and if as projectors, if we try too hard. So I remember before I knew this about myself, I would get so, what's the not self for projector? Is it bitter? Yes. I would bitter. Get, Human design is real because bitterness is so accurate. And oh that was gosh, one of the things so I realized crazy. for my husband too. I was like, oh yeah, no, that makes sense. <laughs> Cause, but with as projectors, and I think he tended to do that too, we'll really want to gather people. And we know that our message is so good. And we know we can help so many people because we are those guides. And so we want to tell a bunch of people, but if you're telling people and they're not asking for it. It is not well received. And I can't tell you how many times in meetings or something 
I would say something to somebody like a really good idea and they would be like, oh, okay. And then somebody else would say the same exact thing. And they're like, that's a great idea. And I was like, I would get so mad. And I realized I need to just step back and be the light. And exactly what you said, those people who want to come for me and want my guidance will come, but it's not going to be everybody. And you just kind of have to accept that. And you don't, you don't want to try to force it down the people's throats who aren't ready for it or don't want it. Right. But that's, and that's another hard pill to swallow as a projector, you know, okay, I'm over here talking. Where are they? You know, where are they? You have to talk into the void for a while. (laughs) Really, really. And it's just been in the past couple of months that people who are exactly the kind of people that I want to be talking to have shown up like, all right, here they are. Here they are. People like people like you asking me to do a podcast, like that invitation was exactly. But if I had reached out out to you from the void. Right. And just sent you a DM on Instagram. You would have been like, who is this? She's a competitor. She does intuitive eating. I don't even want to t- think about that. It could have gone a totally different way, but the way that we were introduced to each other, this is perfect. You know, you know that I just thought about this is like wh- how we got introduced to each other is kind of to projectors dream because for the people listening is as a projector, one of the things is waiting for that invitation, right? Waiting for that invitation to step forward. We got introduced to somebody by somebody else, a mutual person that we knew. So that was the invitation. Neither of us had to reach out and be like, Hey, do you want to do this? The invitation just kind of came and the universe like work its magic when you let it do it. She basically like I asked her to reach out to people for me, which is a, a better strategy for a projector than like cold calling people because she has a different human design type so she can initiate and so it was just yeah you're exactly right it was totally perfect we were both inviting each other in a way and that's exactly that's exactly what you want yeah and it was just Mm -hmm. yeah when you know this stuff too you can kind of almost hack it or not hack it but just work with what you know works best for you So Mm -hmm. it's just so cool. Like I said, I could talk about it forever, but this has been so awesome and so informative. I'm really, really happy that we did this, but I want to ask one last question that I'm going to ask to all my guests. And that is what makes you vibrant? I love that question. So I, I got this from someone at the gym this morning. I walked in and one of the trainers at the gym said, Oh, here she is. We were just talking about you. And I was like, what? And he said, we were just talking about how you, I don't even know what you do. He was like, I don't even know what you do. I don't know what you're about, but I know that whatever you're about, you are it. Like you do it. You walk the talk and you just are who you are. And I was so surprised that someone that I don't even know knew that about me, but I was like, that's it. I, what you see is what you get. And I don't try to pretend to be anything else. I don't, I don't try to be perfect anymore. And I don't try to impress anybody. And I think that is what has allowed me to really feel vibrant that I release that pressure. And I just talk about what I want to talk about and I teach what I teach and I am who I am. And that has allowed me to shine that projector light and it feels so good. I love that. I love that. That's so beautiful. And you know, and what it's just your energy, right? Mm -hmm. And I feel like we've talked about it, but not talked about it this entire podcast. Human (laughs) design is all about tiptoeing around the thing and it's all energy. It's energy. Human design is about our own energy and working with it. You even said earlier, you were like, I I signed up for this thing and I I paid all this money and made it back right away. That's because money is just energy. Everything is just 
yes, energy mm-hmm. and people. You said something about quantum physics, right? And and most people don't understand that. The person who said that to you at the gym didn't understand that what he was feeling was your energy. And mm-hmm. but that's what it was. And I think again, we're gaining greater awareness to this kind of stuff so that we can actually use it, which is why personally I think 2020, a lot of people think it's terrible. I think it's a great year of transformation. I think we're going through an energetic upheaval and a lot of Absolutely. this stuff. We're gonna come out the other end and it's going to be great. So I agree. I like that perspective. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's a lot better than the alternative, right? Just so this has been incredible. Thank you so much for joining us on vibrancy radio. Before you go tell everybody where they can follow you, apply to work with you and check out your new program, intuitive eating by design, and just where we can come hang out in your space and absorb some of that awesome energy. (laughs) So the easiest place to find me is on Instagram. That's where I hang out the most. I'm at underscore Meredith Rawlings. And I also have a website, MeredithRawlings.com. And that's where you can apply for working with me. You can also just go to my Instagram bio. I've got a bunch of links, free quizzes. You can sign up for a human design rating if you want to do a one-on-one rating with me. And that's it. Bunch of free tips on there and just hanging out. Awesome. Well, this has been so great. Thank you so much for being with us. I'll link all that in the show notes so that everybody thank can Thank you, Chelsea. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Meredith.